0: Business Matters, in association with Atlantic Technological University, Donegal. Study for a Doctorate of Business Administration and obtain the highest level management qualification available. Visit atu.ie forward slash DBA. Hello and welcome to Business Matters here on Highland Radio. I'm Chris
1: Ashmore. When we talk about farming, we generally refer to cattle, sheep, pigs and crops. But for Inishowen entrepreneur and farmer Neil Crossan, well, he has developed a thriving rural business based on farming worms. Indeed, his living green business won the overall county and best established enterprise awards at the Donegal Enterprise Awards held earlier this month. Established in 2003, Living Green is the largest producer of worms in Ireland and the UK. He also has an organic compost business and this is also used in the growing of wheatgrass from which they produce a wheatgrass juice and also do turmeric and beetroot shots. I visited his farm to find out more about his business. So Neil, just tell us, uh, how did this all start? Where were the initial thoughts So,
2: Well, I was looking for something to do on the farm. Um, I was working for huge Mushrooms in the Moy. Um, I was a technical manager and sort of in between farms and the Pack House and the Sainsbury's and them people. Like, um, so we had to, at the at we were living in Maharal and I was going to Ghana every day, Brenda was teaching in Thornhill. And the kids had come along at the stage and something had to give. We looked at mushrooms to grow for ourselves, but it was just, just starting to decline in the mushroom industry. And um, you had to go to super farms to, to make a living. Didn't have the money for that. Um, so we're looking around for different things to do. And one of the mushroom growers in a place called Coke and Cook in in Cotron was uh, growing something in his field. I thought that sounded the athlete? Like? So you know excuse out to him, see what he was doing. He was growing worms. And he was growing worms for a company in the UK called ORM, and it seemed like a really good idea. They were going to use it to recycle organic waste because they couldn't, they hadn't got a handle on this stage how to work it. So, sorry,
1: just to explain to people that the worms actually help.
2: They eat it. Eat the yeah. all so the waste they there. They ate the waste, turned it to worm cast, and then that was going to be a valuable product that we were going to sell on. And this seemed like really, I thought we're getting the ground floor or something here, you know? But it didn't turn out the way that we thought. But we built the house, um, uh, put all the worms away, spent a fortune on the worms. Again, we were funded by a leader at the very start. And I asked when we were going to the bank, and the bank manager uh, looked at me and got, um, I sort of more or less laughed at, it, you know. But we got money anyway. Um, the game going, so that's where it started. Um, and well,
1: it's grown something from there right. And the the farm here in in Eshoun, did you buy this? Did you move from the north or? What yeah, we part? moved from the north. Yeah. Um, we just had a wee house
2: in Mahara, and um, but the farm had been. Given to me by my father, uh, and it, it was it's not quite his home place. His home place is just outside of the side of the valley there. and um, His brother had died a few years earlier and left my dad a farm, and he wasn't really fit to look after it. So I was farming, working, farming, working, and something I had to give like, the kids to come along, and it just wasn't fair on Brenda. So we had to, somebody had to go up their job, and Brenda had a better job than me at the time, so um was hers was secure. So that sort of that. If we hadn't had Brenda's wage, in fairness, in the first, um, Uh, couple of years, they wouldn't have made it.
1: Now, recently, the Donegal Enterprise Awards were held in Living Green was the overall county winner and the winner of the Best Established Enterprise Award. And certainly, you've had a a lot of dealings with the uh, local enterprise office, and you'd be full of praise for them. And, you know, they provide a lot of supports for people who are going into business or who already have a business and never be afraid to ask? Oh, definitely not. That. I have to say their doors are very much open. and They want to
2: help you. Um, if you come across with some sort of reasonable idea that they can support they can't support everything um, they can't go and build you a new factory like a new structure or whatever but they, what they can do they will and they're more than willing to listen to you and tweak your idea and maybe help you commercialise it and this, some of the mentors they have there were work with the guy Stephen Freely um, it's, it's, that's how I actually would the whole thing was, uh, was chatting to a local business owner here who had Stephen as his uh, business advisor and he said you really should talk to that but he'll help you along and I guess it was worth a phone call and it opened up a whole new world to me Mm -hmm. and and you know, I thought it was very long, we've got this 20 years,
1: um, but it opened up a whole new world for me. Mm-hmm. So before we go out and look around the premises here, uh, tell us just in a nutshell what Living Green does. Um, our core business is the worms. We produce or breed
2: and sell worms to the Irish fishing market and the UK fishing market and from that the worms produce a product called Wormcast. And wormcast, uh is sort of, it's, it's, it's the basis of all our composts. We now produce three organic composts and from the compost then we, we grow our own wheatgrass off our own compost. And in conjunction with the wheatgrass juice, we also do turmeric and beetroot juice.
1: We then went outside and Neil showed me around his premises located near Quigley's Point. Well Neil, we're out here uh, at your premises, there's quite a lot going on and you can explain to us maybe what exactly is, well we're starting over here to the left? Yeah, yeah, what looks like mushroom tunnels is actually, they're worm tunnels.
2: The worms, this is where we breed and keep the worms living um, and they were all purpose built for worms as opposed to, they looked like mushroom tunnels but there was never mushrooms in them or
1: purpose built. So what exactly is inside them?
2: Each of the the sheds has about 300 uh, 6x4 wooden boxes and they're tiered 4 high. Inside the box there's 200 litres of uh, bedding material for the worms and then there's about 5-7 to kilos of worms. We put in 5 kilos and after 4 weeks we'd hopefully take them around 7-7.5 to kilos of worms. They'll grow about an average about point 0.1 of a gram per week so they start out as but a centimeter long, but a millimeter thickness, and then they grow on to the size of a IKEA pencil that sort of size of the thing
1: right so the actual growth it 's pretty regulated. you know how many days or weeks you need.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a 4 week cycle. Uh, so when the worms go in, they have to be taken out of their bed material because they've eaten it through now and it's sort of their, their, their faeces at this stage and they won't be happy in it and after hour cup, They start to lose weight and, and, and condition
1: so you're, they're really going backwards so you've got to get them out in time to keep the process moving forward. And how much do you have to check them, and you know what? What can go wrong, or is there any pitfalls? Or oh, well, there's mountains of pitfalls, that we, and I think we probably everything that could have went wrong has went wrong over the years. But, but you before, know now. Well, we think we know now. You know, it's like every day's a school day, you know. <laughs> In here at at the tunnel, is there a process, or are they all at the same stage of? Uproot?
2: No, no. They, they start out uh, life as, um, as as cocooned eggs, with this they were three mil in diameter, uh, roundy eggs, and uh, they, they hatch then into into a, like a one mil a one mil in girth and uh, uh, one centimetre long, and then they, they just grow every four weeks. Then they grow by point one of a gram
1: in a round anyway. So. So when we, you were starting off, where did the original worms come from? Oh, we started off, it didn't look anything like this. We were growing worms outside in the
2: field. I hard to describe them, like big big, big envelopes. It's a the it's, a, uh, it's called it's the geotextile. It's something called it under roads to stop the, the, the moisture and muck coming up into the, muck, into the, into the road. Um, we laid that out and then tagged it up so
1: the worms couldn't crawl out. But they could crawl out. We were told they couldn't, but they did crawl out most people listening to this program probably know the, the common garden earthworm. Um, obviously there's lots of different types of worms, so what, what have you ac- actually got here?
2: Uh, uh, the species we work with is a species called dendrobina, and uh, it's, a, it, it's, it's not native native town. Uh, it lives in rotten vegetation in warmer climes, so you would see it in, in uh, North America,
1: you'd also find it in central parts of uh, warmer parts of Europe. And the actual stock when it comes in here, do you, do you have to constantly buy in new stock? No, we try. We, we do buy a bit if we're if we running short in supply of our own, but we try
2: to grow our own. So we'll get the worms, put them in the boxes, uh, as I described earlier there, and uh, they will, they'll breed, They're, they've got both sex organs and or hermaphrodites, and they, they get together in the weeks actually, and they lay an egg and the egg then is the next generation. So after the, the four-week cycle, what, what happens then? They're taken up into the shed in front of us there, When so mm. you see a forklift in, and the forklift yeah. uh, sets them onto a, 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 a turntable, which flips it into our big hopper, and the worms are then taken out by conveyors into the big machine you see, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a trammel. The, the oyster guys would use them so the soil uh, falls through the, the holes in the sieve, and the worms pass through, and that, we collect the worms and then weigh them again and put them back into the next batch of bed material. The soil then it's regraded uh, a couple of times, and uh, through another drum roll, uh, it, there's very small particles are taken out there, and then it travels on to be collected. And said, older people would know what uh, the other waller is. It's a like a smaller version of it, with smaller holes. The whole the particle we're looking for is three mil, and this is this is set in to collect that. So with the
1: with three gram, the three mil particle drops out. We collect that, put it back into the start of the process again. So, uh, how many in our hours a day would the, the machines be running here? Are oh, they running hours a day, five days a week? Um, every box, there's about
2: lots of a thousand boxes in the farm maybe more, and each box has to go through that
1: process once every four weeks. So over here to the right we can see boxes that are all stacked up, but tell us what, what exactly is in them at the moment? Those are eggs
2: and uh, that, that we're going to collect and put back into the start of the system again. There's also what we call end boxes where just, we don't get all the ones out so we save some and sort of drop through and, and they sort of end up, so we reset them again and take out every last worm so we, don't,
1: we try to capture every worm we have dazzle us now with, with a few numbers. I'm sure there's quite a a few uh, thousands of worms coming out every, I don't know, how, how, how many are coming out a day or a week or a month? Or well, you can think on average that most of the worms on the farm are in
2: around a gram, like one gram weight, and we sell 17 tons of worms a year, so that would roughly about 17 million. Right. So on the
1: farm, at any one time, it's probably 5 or 6 million now it's a it's a fairly niche market is there anybody else doing it in the, the northwest there's nobody in Ireland there's nobody in the UK even at this deal um, we sort of
2: got the market and kept going and kept expanding and expanding maybe foolishly but we're
1: here now we can't do much about it you know we're, we are where we are now in terms of the machinery and when you started off i'm sure that you just had a couple of smaller machines so how has it upscaled over the years we had a very small machine before the wheelbarrow and that's how, that's how they could buy the feed. and that was just disastrous
2: and then we moved up to, to put the stuff in the tractor and we bought up on the back of the tractor uh, it was just the, the, the amount of work we put in for the, the, the effort we put in to, to realise the amount of worms we were getting out was just silly like in the first year we only sold let's say less than half a ton of worms and we could
1: process that if we really pushed ourselves within a day from here. Where we're standing now, if I was here 5, 10, 15 years ago, what would I have seen then? A field. Was, was, uh, there was nothing here when we moved up
2: to the farm, we built the house behind us there um, and then we built all these sheds for a bit at a time. You know, uh, but I have to say there was no there was never any
1: dream or realisation that this is where we're going to end up. We just it was more good luck and good guidance most of later. When you were starting off, okay, small scale production, but who was your initial market? We were set up by a guy in the UK, uh fed on the brand
2: ORM, and his selling uh, was that he was going to take all these worms we could produce and uh, use them for recycling organic waste. Uh, it, was, it was a problem as the early two thousands, and they couldn't get a handle on how to wasn't properly, food and waste that sort of thing.
1: We just couldn't get a couldn't get a handle on it. And he was he led us to believe this is where it was going. As time went on, how did you develop new markets for your product? Um, we were very lucky. With, we were very lucky all the way. You know, I have to say, I've been quite
2: fortunate. Um, but we met a guy in a tackle shop in Gary since closed but uh, he the tackle shop sell worms um, and he was he was willing to, to work with us to, to get it the size of, or the type of product he wanted and once he, we, we sort of mastered that for him we were able then to, to roll it out And year two where actually quite a lot of the shops now the years have gone shop in that top tackle the time uh, Dave took from us and a you know we, then after year two we're in, maybe mayo
1: and a few other bits by year five, we're the whole way across the country. And uh, year seven, we're the export. Right. I used to do a bit of fishing when I was younger. Um used to go to a tackle shop in, in dublin i think it was abc is you still there yeah i'll, I'll, I'll still yeah, I'll still yeah and, uh, he's a very yeah. old man now but he's still yeah he's still out. i think of was a mary street or yeah, 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 he shop it. and uh used to do a great trade but i remember we used to use lugworm and ragworm so where do they sort of fit they, into they, the worm family they are sea worms and um, uh, they are our are, are, are sort of land-based worms you know so the the fishing uh, side of things, just uh, how big a market is that for you? Well that is our market really. Uh, in Ireland we would supply eighty
2: percent maybe plus for the tackle shops with worms. Um, we also then export to sort of many wholesalers in the UK. Um, similar sort of
1: volume it's like seven, eight ton to Ireland, seven eight tonnes to, to the UK literally. And the actual product that you produce at the end uh, what size are sort the of containers are you is there all standard sizes or are there different sizes um, each market is different um,
2: in Ireland they want they want uh, the kiddies want sort of small pots of worms want, you know if, if guys go and taste salmon uh, they want to if you had if you were selling them two
1: foot long they still wouldn't be big enough but they seem they, the same, big worm big fish and do you do you brand it all yourself and package and label it no I uh, we never went down
2: that line at all um, the shops weren't mad feeling that we didn't want to push it. And um, no, 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 we're just we're just happy to go where they are. It, it, it's just a, Worms are worms, really, in the shops. Like when we started out first, everybody wanted them in, in small pots, uh, and then as the years went on, the shops maybe weren't doing as good, and then they wanted them maybe in kilo bags so they could pop them themselves and sort of take that bit of cost yeah. out.
1: which is less revenue for us, but we're still we're still the shop's are keeping them open so we're still a trade, you know. And what about the uh, shelf life for for the product? Uh,
2: if you pack it properly, but you put the, the light, we, we weigh the live worms up like like spaghetti, like they're just stringy stuff. Um, it's pure worms, so we put about 20, 25 worms in a pot. Uh, bit of peat, and that's, and then it, the peat is the, the living material, them that's what they will survive.
1: If you put enough peat in them, they can survive up to a month. In terms of quality control, uh, how do you assess that? I mean, are they fairly uniform in size? And well, we do it's all done. But we do it by weight, and um, we weigh off x amount of worms. just so x x
2: uh, amount of grams. So we know what we're selling and then we know if if, uh, there should be 50 worms in a pot, if there's 55 we know the size is dropped. So we try and only keep worms so that if they're weighing off at 80, 90 grams for 55 worms or whatever, you know rightly then what
1: they've got the size right. As you scaled up, just how big a decision was it to, to invest and, and maybe to borrow? And, you know, there's always that uncertainty as to will things work. Well, I'm a glass sort of half full type person, so I always
2: assume things are going to work. Um, I, I would look at it and look at it and study it and put sort it, of tease it out. there. And generally, you know, we went for things,
1: you know, um, and it worked for us. We've been, say, we've been very lucky so far. If we just go around the corner here, what exactly is happening down here? So when, when the soil comes off the,
2: off the machines there, you would hear the noise in the background. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a product called worm cast. And worm cast is one of the best growing mediums on the planet. Um, it's what worms do to our soil. They enrich it and, 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 and uh, add nutrients to it and enzymes that stimulate the plants to, to grow a stronger root system and they're able to absorb more nutrients. So, in this bed here now, if you look here right there, um, that is all worm cast. It's about oh, to 1,400 cubic meters. Now we get that uh, certified organic. Uh, we had a fair bit of work to get there, but we got in the end. i kind tell you how uh, niche it is. There was a synthesized uh, B vitamin in, in the vitamin pack that goes into the special feed for the worms. And I'm talking people talking less than 0.02% and that was a problem. If we couldn't if we couldn't get that out, we weren't getting certified. But we got there, we had to jump through multiple hoops. But, you know, it's a standard for a reason, um, and if you come to hear the standard,
1: it's not certified, and that's the way it should be. When you were starting off, was this sort of a, a byproduct as such? I mean, did you see this as, from day one as being a, another product? Yeah, I mean, we knew that Wormcast was, the worms were going to create Wormcast, um, just getting
2: the volume of it uh, and getting it presented in the right way. Um, initially, it, we land spread it, we um, 65 acres here, but then, we, we sold it to Derry City Council actually to fill in graves right. <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous but uh, we, um, we wanted to we wanted to get the volume that we could supply garden centres and we're there now like. so we have three brands we have three um, different types of certified organic compost the one you're looking at there now is one of our peat frees. Um, so it's, it's, our, it's our peat free all purpose sold widely across the country most garden centres will stock it Um, And it's going well. Um, The original one is is 80% worm cast, 20% peat. This one you're looking at is uh, a quarter worm cast, a quarter horse manure, a quarter mushroom compost, and a
1: quarter uh, willow, and they're all certified organic. Yeah, and I see on the the labeling, on the packaging here, it says 100% 100 peat-free, and... There is this move away from the old traditional peat compost. You're probably in the, the right market at the right time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, peat's nearly a bad word now, isn't mm, it, Like um, yeah. when it comes to the environment,
2: and rightly so again. Um, you've got to try and sort of move with the times and sort of... You're some something to save the planet, you know. Is there much seasonality about it? The seals are seasonal, very seasonal. Like the fishing season is actually a season where it cuts off. Yeah. Um, Gardening, it's sort of done, sort of based on what the weather's doing outside. Yeah. So we, got, we sort of repack pack ahead now this time of year to be ready for spring. Mm.
1: And what about the export potential for the? Uh,
2: yeah, we, the we do. We do see. Uh, not to our nearest neighbour in the UK not, not just because of Brexit um, it's, a, it's a big bulky product, it's expensive to ship but where we actually see a market I haven't tested it yet, but where we see a market is uh, Middle East um, they're willing to pay for high-value products. We have a high-value product that actually works, and one of the few peat p- composts that actually works really, really, really well. Um, and we would see that as being a potential growth market um, through Leo, and we're probably going to try and make, move yeah. in the next few years. I know that there's some of the, the Irish peat-based companies in Northern Ireland are actually in
1: that market, and um, I'd be quite confident our product would be of a higher value and higher, higher quality. Join us again after this commercial break.
0: Study a Doctorate of Business Administration, DBA, at Atlantic Technological University and obtain the highest level management qualification available. This advanced degree can involve a remarkable journey of growth, both individually and within the broader context of the business world. Check out atu.ie forward slash DBA to register your interest.
1: Welcome back. Well, before the break, we were looking uh, around some of the premises here and the part that we haven't ventured into. We're going to look now at uh, some of the wheatgrass. This is a, a product that many people are aware of, and it, again, it's something in recent times has seen a lot of uh, growth uh, due to the benefits that it has for a person so explain maybe first of all uh, how you became aware of it and where the, the seed was sown as such
2: yeah yeah. Um, in the show in particular it was a hotbed for wheatgrass for maybe up to 10 years ago uh, there's a guy called uh, Danny uh, but Danny uh, was a prophet for it people travelled from all over Ireland to him because he actually had cured himself of cancer but I know it sounds ridiculous in the world that a plant could cure you of cancer but he was adamant and it was and he was adamant that he should tell the rest of the world about it like he was in Sunday papers and multiple programs about Danny he was in his late 70s I think when he got cancer and he uh, took the wheatgrass as opposed to taking conventional treatment and Danny lived for another seven or eight years and it was solely under the wheatgrass and he, he was convinced of it and so am I so how we end up knowing Danny somebody was around here uh, knew what we were producing compost and said would that be an good for wheatgrass I said I haven't got a clue you may take some away and try and see what does because I can't tell you um, so took some away to Danny started growing it It was the best medium he'd ever used so he was back in a flash looking for more of it so then he explained to me wheatgrass I thought God, there must be a bigger market for this you know I googled it and I found a company called Living Green based in Wicklow a uh, woman called Morna Lynn, she was one of the original uh, sort of people that was promoting wheatgrass across the country so chatting to Morna, yes, yeah, send us down a sample, we'll see how it goes sent her in a sample, loved it again so then we sent her down a commercial batch to it and around that same time then she thought, you know, I'm pension age here, I don't need this no more and she wanted to sell the business so I thought, God, there's two components to wheatgrass there's compost and wheat, and I know where to find the compost like um, so that's why we, we you know, born an offer and we uh, living green transferred from to, to Nishon, it's a great name, fantastic brand name. That's what we brand our compost as, um, and it's it's been very very good to us. To get the benefits of it, you actually have to juice it, and not every juicer is a juicer you're looking for. It's a quite a delicate juice, and any slight heating uh, damages the enzymes, which sort of is what the, sort of the beneficial parts of it. And um, so the, the high the high speed machines aren't what you're looking for. It's a product a machine called a masticating juicer masticating means to chew so it essentially chews it up like a very slow mincer it's something less than 30 revs a minute or something and it's like an auger and it grinds it and it pushes against the plate and
1: then it pushes the juice out of it and it, it's grown in, in trays and little pots yes yeah, in, yeah. yeah. in through here and we'll go and we, have a we look. built uh, a room to grow
2: it in like you are familiar with yeah, Kingspan type panels, um, so and this building here is it's uh, temperature controlled because so at this time of year, and you need uh, obviously need heat. It's a very simple process, um, but everything's simple to, to try and recreate it every time. You know, um, we've got it sort of down now. We know what we're sort of know what we're doing. So you look in front of you. There is is like racks and racks and racks of uh, of grass that is about a, about a foot tall. Um, so how that is is it growing? Is we put about an inch, inch and a half, two inches of peat into a tray or compost? It's actually special compost. It's um, it's a special. It's not it's not even a normal compost we sell. This is a compost. that's called fifty one percent to grow uh, herbs or any or like or grass directly in the soil. You have to have a, a compost that's of 51% organic farm origin, and that would be soil or manures, but we actually found that it, uh, it, uh, spent mushroom compost fits the bill. I'm ex-mushroom industry, so I sort of knew a few guys there, and we will be able will get spent organic mushroom uh, compost re it so it's dryable and we can use it. So this compost is 51% uh, mushroom compost, 49% of our own. You compact the thing down to a nice flat seed bed put about 200 grams of seed on top dampen it all up and then after about uh, three days it'll start to germinate the one we're going to look at here now is that's a uh, about five, six days old, and stuff behind us is a week later. So it grows pretty quickly? Yep. Yeah. It grows from nearly a foot in about
1: seven, eight days. Mm. And we're in a room here which, you know, the, the, the heating is controlled. So, what, yeah, yeah, so yeah. what's the optimum temperature that you're growing it at? We like to work about 16, 18 degrees.
2: If you work much higher and don't have much uh, uh, air movement, you get
1: mold, and mold is not what you want. And then when it comes to, do we call it harvest? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. harvest
2: it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. harvest it. Yeah, like we're in a food grade type room here and we're working on galvanised shelving. Wood's no good because it harbours disease and pests and whatever else. So it has to be sort of done properly. Take it onto the stainless steel cables then cut it and um, put it into like supermarket type crates and then we chill it overnight and uh, then it's, we just it the following day then. We actually blast freeze it. We, the 30 mil containers, this is a shot, which is,
1: which is a, shot. It's a mm. bar type shot, they think. Um, and that's considered to be enough for one person for one day. So when people go out to buy it, are they buying it in a, in a tray of how many shots are in a, a, a We do a
2: retail pack mm. of uh, seven shots. and. That's we two shops through the country. Um, and then we also do, we do that online as well. But the most popular, what we would do would be a month supply, which is 31 shots. Mm-hmm. And that would be delivered to your home for 54 euros. We also do a three month supply as well, um, it's 135. But on, the, on top of that, then, we sort of realized, God, there's other all all the materials you can juice here as well. Um, so we do a turmeric shot and a beetroot shot as well, and they're quite popular.
1: Right. And so what sparked off, you said, you know, you saw the possibility of something else. The market for them, did you have to develop it, or was it a ready-made market? Uh, well,
2: turmeric had just sort of become known for, the, for all right reasons. It's a really, really good product. I've seen the opportunities, you know, took a chance on it. Turmeric is, is a very good anti. Inflammatory, and that's what the Chinese would have been working on it for, for centuries, you know. And
1: again, beetroot is a sort of a, a superfood, as so such. Yeah, yeah, so the, the, mm. yeah, yeah, but there are all superfoods The wheat, grass, and turmeric, and mm. the, the beetroot. Do you sell a lot to actual health shops themselves? If a few, um, to be honest, we did, we, we had a real good market
2: that a few years ago, and uh, we had somebody out promoting it for us. She left, went off to do other things, and I never really followed up there was something shinier happening on mm-hmm. the far side of the farm and like, oh, I was oh I'll keep going with this you know and, um, but no if, I, if we did go out and push it to the shops and the supervisors and the health food shops and the butchers or wherever else we were selling it to it did work but it was just so much work and, and it's only really me It does the marketing here and I just didn't have time to do everything. Yeah, yeah. Online are our best platform actually. It's easiest for us so we've used couriers here to ship all the things so we've got a, you know, there's a courier that comes here every day to lift a product and take around the country. Like. We're working on another couple of projects now with, with Leo and um, uh, we're, they're going to help us uh, fund a new system to the product called, that's called HPP. It's high pressure processing. It's like pasteurisation with no heat, because then we talked earlier the enzymes aren't damaged, and you end up with still the, the, the high quality uh, whole food. So we're looking at that now, um, putting a bottom plant here, um, and we have to take a, the, the machine that does it is in Dublin. There's uh, healing on it, so uh, it's at the back of the airport there. Um, so I'm imagining every a few weeks now we had a
1: Dublin to, to get a start process. Now you mentioned about online sales. Being online is, is absolutely crucial for you.
2: Oh yeah, for especially for, for the for the, the juices. Um we sell, a bit of, we sell a bit of compost online but I have to say the start of COVID was just crazy. I thought we laid everybody off here. It was a real dark day you now that Wednesday, I remember it well and I thought, we're finished, we are finished here, because the roads were closed and I didn't think the curries let go, but they were. The, the online sales just exploded, absolutely exploded. And that was great for us and it sort of sustained us actually in the early days before the, the shops could open again.
1: We were shipping parts and parts of compost, like which nobody ever wanted before online. Mm-hmm. And just just them massive. Mm-hmm. In terms of employment, several people here, so that reflects how the business has grown.
2: Yeah, in the early days it was me and a tractor and a wheelbarrow most of the time, to be honest. No, I, I actually enjoyed those days and um, you just you home your thoughts and you know it was great. Started the business to be on the farm and be around and do whatever, and then as the business grew, it Became you had to be on the road. You had to go see customers. You could be on the road doing twelve hundred miles in five six days, and you go home knackered and You know the kids were young then; they were only what twos and threes at that stage. And it wasn't why I started the business, but the business sort of started to lead me then. You know, and it's still that way. You could like last week I was away four or five days, and it,
1: it's not what I really want. I want to be at home. You know. Mm-hmm. Looking ahead to twenty twenty four, what what are the immediate plans? We're gonna we're gonna give the compost a
2: darn good push. Um, as I say, we've we, we've we won that award there, the enterprise award with Leo. Um, and that's really put a pepper step again. We've got massive publicity. Not less this program. You know, nobody like three years ago nobody want to talk to us. You know. But now we we see a brighter future, and there's going to be help with sales and just a bit of business plans and a bit more vision. This year, I sort of in the summertime, I sort of realised that we were slipping. I didn't know how to, to I'd sort of take it nearly as far as I could. But Leo got in behind us with supports and mentoring and. Um, the business sort of utilisation and stuff. It was it's, it, they've been very good to us now. Um,
1: I didn't know exist those supports existed until spring of last year. And that is a very important point. The, the local enterprise office doing so much for people. And you know when you go and make inquiries, and there is the support there, there is the expertise, there's mentoring, and you know overall for all our faults in this country, would you, I mean it's not a bad place to do business. It's not. You no, know, you hear other countries, you, you chat to
2: people, you'll be in all these and chat people like and stuff, and they say, "Oh, look at that! Network. No, 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 no! You wouldn't get that there. You no, oh, no, 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 no! You're on your own there." And even Northern Ireland, you know, that's where I grew up. Um, you know, there wouldn't be half these sports. Um, like, if I hadn't got the sports, we got a lot of support here in the early years from from Leader, Leader, fantastic Leader down in Cardona, They were, they were, they give us multiple grants. And at the start, I was thinking, why are they giving us this money? doesn't make any sense just giving people money but you see now we create employment there's five or six working here um, we're all paying tax and um, you, know, you know the spin-offs in the local community where you, you need to buy things you need this and that and somewhere it has to come look locally if you can so you have the spin-offs and you, you know what we've gotten back and uh, what we've gotten grants we certainly paid you
1: know, maybe way far more of it back you know and, and back into the revenue game and you know it's a prime example of keeping people in a rural area you know, yeah, 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 people was, don't have to go to the city and you know what you're doing here if you go again if we go back there was just a farm originally and, and now you're employing people in a rural area and that a lot of the money is circulating locally
2: yeah that, that, that's you know it's great like and
1: the, the people most of the people
2: who work here are, you can nearly throw a stone at their house you know but I like was a young fella run around here when my farm there was no employment everybody had to go to Scotland or my father left here when
1: he was 14 to go to Scotland there was nothing there was absolutely and our whole family left it. and now you've won a, a number of awards uh, most recently the local enterprise office their awards and that helps build a profile you've had the BBC here you've had newspapers um, and that in turn will lead to one would suspect and hope a, a spin-off a positive spin-off as well oh well, we hope so we haven't seen it yet 30 days you know but um, when you go
2: out and the amount of people I've heard and seen the in the press what we've done you know and I didn't know you would up that there. really did up there, really. You know, you can and Probably it's a, a bad reflection of me that we, in the world of social media, i a bit of a dinosaur perhaps. Um, uh, I just I shun away from it and we've, we've dabbled with it several times but nothing's been done properly. That's one of the things for 24 is to get a decent social media uh, message out there.
1: And sometimes people maybe are not aware of what is actually made here in Donegal. It
2: can be done and there's no reason why we can't. We're a, we're a bright, intelligent people um, and then with the results. Sources and the help from something like Leo or Leader or other other organisations—it's there to be had. And I could never go back and work for somebody else again. Or you know, that maybe it destroyed me a bit that way. Um, But I would encourage all people if you have the belief and a product you think you can get behind don't go into it mad and pour millions or thousands into it start off small test the water research it really really well is probably the best way i would describe the amount of things i have looked into and not end up pouring money into snails is one i think snails has a massive massive future in in, uh, in ireland but it hasn't been tapped yet, and I, someday it will be cracked. and um, I do it, I days know how to do it. But um, but there's a lot of other things that, that can be done and will be done in this country.
1: And what about your your inputs? I mean, they went up. I'm sure your electricity costs and things like that shot up in in recent years. Is is that a, a concern going forward about the cost of living increases? Yeah, the the, the minimum wage. Now we were just chatting with somebody coming in here
2: last night, and we we're chatting about it. You know, that's a big, big burden on small businesses. I guess mm. possibly ten percent. I think next year it's going to pay that. Um, but you know, again, there's this, there's schemes out there for like solar panels. Um, you might have seen the guys there, that are up on the roof there, they're putting the solar panels here, we're putting in 50k of solar, and um, that should pay itself back in three, four, five years. Like um, Again, you've got to take your hat off the government. They do see it, that, that if you put the money in and encourage people to do it, there is a payoff, you know, and we're not be sort of dependent on fossil fuels down the line.
1: And what about red tape? You know, people who maybe have an idea to go into business and are thinking, you know, can I handle all this red tape and I don't know much about accountancy and so on, but you, you can subcontract out quite a lot well, of you
2: stuff. can, you can, you can, but again that, that's where the Leo mentoring comes in, like um, we are become a company next year and, and uh, they put us in contact with people and explained us step by step how this is going to work, how the benefits were here, the possible pitfalls, um, but the, the benefits totally outweigh the, the pitfalls, but the red tape, you know, it's there's red tape especially in the food industry for a reason you know you don't want to go around cowboys poisoning people you know um, so it's there for a reason but again there's help there to, to talk you through it there's I know Leo do workshops all the time on, on, on for the food coast and stuff um, so it's, it's there to be had and you know you're not on your own there'll be somebody there if you, if, if you reach out for the help it is there and they will guide you through it
1: and away from work, how do you unwind and relax and get away from it all? Harlan's uh, my thing. It's not, a, it's not a very popular sport in, in Donegal, um,
2: but Harlan's my thing. Uh, I grew up playing Harlan at home in Antrim. As a county team, we were reasonably good at a time, but. With Badly fallen off the map, um, but you know, And local clubs here now—they're they're, they're taking it on too.
1: Finally, just finishing up. You know, looking to the future from a business perspective, are you fairly optimistic about times ahead here in Inishon, Donegal, Ireland? I am, but I'm not
2: optimistic by nature, anyway. Um, I think the more we can, like even energy security, that's the way forward for us. And. Down the line, I, I see a massive potential in wave technology, I think, in the show, could be one of the, the world leaders, if we can get the, that technology cracked. Um, no, I think Ireland's got a very, very bright future, and Donegal, and you know, to protect it, you know, where we haven't had a lot of outward investment coming in, maybe Letterkenny got a bit, When you try to find a country, like, I'd say, wee tiny towns new place we conceal we were in Holbeast last year and there's a massive uh, uh, pharmaceutical factory hundreds of acres like, why can't some of these places come to the, road, the, the the road links to any are as good as the road, road links to um, conceal why
1: can't we have something to add up here and we, you know, we hear about Ireland the Green Island in terms of sustainability, the whole uh, green energy sector. You know, there's huge potential out there. Um, you know, we, we can be world leaders. Oh, we can. We,
2: I, I, say, I think that the technology, the wave energy, is one of the big things that's, you know, I think it has been, I don't know people are trying to top it, but whoever cracks that will be a wealthy boy.
1: Well, my thanks to this week's guest, Neil Crossan of Living Green in Quigley's Point. You've been listening to Business Matters. And finally, if you want to contact me, Chris Ashmore, you can email me
0: at Highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with Atlantic Technological University, Donegal. Study for a Doctorate of Business Administration and obtain the highest level management qualification available. Visit atu.ie forward slash dba.